Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would and credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Increase the Reality with Shane Jones. What is up, Inquirers, and welcome back to the infinitely expanding Inquiries of Our Reality. Today's conversation is with one of my favorite repeat guests to have on the show, and we always go off on these crazy deep theories, and we get into these really, really weird, intricate conversations, and they always end up being really, really long episodes, so I'm going to try to keep this short for you guys, not do the super duper long, extensive intro, because I really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode, and I want to get into it right away. But before I do that, there are a few announcements that I do have to do. So pretty big announcement. Um, I will be vending at the uh, Cryptid Halloween 2, which will be put on by the uh, the Snarly U. If anybody wants to go and check him out on Instagram, his name's Dave. He's one of the best people that I've met in the cryptid community. But uh, this is going to be a cryptid festival and Halloween craft show. It is going to be October 28th from 12 to 6 at the American Legion in Charlestown, West Virginia. Uh, I will be posting some more information on it in the uh, show description. Uh, it will be a free event, and this is the big part about it. I will be doing a live broadcast from this event. Uh, we're trying to plan out exactly what I'm going to be doing there, but there's a few different ideas that I'm kind of tossing up in the air. Um, if Oren from Bizarre Encounters, my co-host that you guys I'm sure are familiar with, is able to come, uh, we're going to do a couple different snippets of it. Uh, I kind of wanted to possibly do maybe an hour of doing uh, local lore as a live episode so everybody can come out and hang out and maybe even throw in their ideas on it. And then two, uh, there's something called Wizard Clip, which is a West Virginia paranormal story. There's a few people that will be coming up on stage talking about that with me to do a live episode on that. And then hopefully the third part of it will be a free form where everybody's able to come up. Uh, they can come on the show. They can share their experiences, their encounters with anything weird and strange. Um, but it's going to be a free event, like I was saying. Uh, I'm going to be doing 
basically speaking at this event, doing a live broadcast. This would be the first time I've ever done anything like this, so it would mean a lot to me if any of you guys were able to make it out, uh, make it a little bit more comfortable for me because, uh, again, this is my first time doing this, which is another reason why I'm kind of hoping that Orange shows up for this. But pretty big news. I'd love to see you guys there. Uh, if anybody wants more info on it, like I said, there will be stuff down in the show description. But if you need even more additional information, uh, just shoot me a message on Instagram and I can give you any information that you need on it. Um, but besides that, of course, doing all the normal front of house stuff. If you guys haven't already left a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify, I would definitely appreciate it. Uh, awesome way to help the show continue to grow, get seen by new people, help out the algorithms. And uh, if you guys leave an awesome five-star review on iTunes, of course, I'll read it on the show and give you guys a shout out. Uh, don't forget to go and follow the show on social media if you want to get updates on anything new going on with the show, new episodes, new events that I'm going to be attending and also possibly vending, maybe even speaking at because that's something that I'm trying to expand into doing is being able to speak at a lot more uh, events and you know possibly doing deep dives and more of these live broadcast events like I was just talking about. Uh, if you guys want to pop into the Telegram or the Discord, have some awesome conversations with some like-minded individuals, definitely recommend that you do. Uh, the Discord is the pride and joy that we're trying to build up, so anybody that wants to pop in there, don't be discouraged. Throw your ideas, throw anything that you guys want to suggest as far as the Discord to keep helping it to grow and get better and better. Uh, any suggestions, like I said, I would love to hear them, so don't hesitate to shoot me a message. And uh, if you guys want to share the show and you want a little bit easier of a way to do it, because maybe uh, the friends that you're trying to share the show with may not sit down and listen to an hour to two hour episode, uh, go and check out the YouTube and the TikTok. There you'll find clips of the show with a question usually that uh, has to do with whatever the clip is of the show. But I will be expanding that stuff a bit more um, as far as posting different uh, investigations I go on, squatch trips I go on. Uh, there's going to be a lot more going on with the YouTube and the TikTok. So highly recommend going and following at least one of those two pages so that uh, you guys can see all the new stuff that I'm expanding into. And uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, if you're an author, researcher, ufologist, experiencer, contactee, uh, fringe-minded individual, open-minded individual... Uh, you guys listen to the show. You guys see all the different weird stuff that I get into and talk about. If you guys want to come on the show, share anything, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you. But you got to break the ice. You got to send me a message. Let me know that you want to sit down and have a conversation so we can set something up. And uh, if you guys want to do that, there's a couple different ways to do so. You guys can shoot me a message on Instagram, which is the form of social media that I'm the most active on. You guys can also shoot me a message on Facebook. That's also a viable option. Or you guys can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Or you can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email, of course. Uh, a lot of the time, a lot of my stuff ends up in the spam or junk folders. So make sure you guys check your spam and junk folder. Make sure all my replies don't get missed because I do respond to every single person that takes the time to shoot me a message on email or on Instagram. And uh, like I was mentioning with the uh, live show, if you guys aren't already listening to Bizarre Encounters, highly recommend that you do. You have a lot of fun over there. It's a really, really good show as far as I'm concerned. That's kind of where I let it all loose, let it all hang out. Uh, I'm in my comfort zone over there, so I make dumb jokes. But we also deep dive. We get into some really deep information. So it's a good mix of both. If you want to laugh and also learn something, highly recommend going and checking out Bizarre Encounters. And if you guys want to keep tabs on all the stuff I do, I always recommend going and checking out anything that has the Open Minds Media name on it. Uh, the Instagram is like a one-stop shop if you guys want to get updates on anything going on for Bizarre Encounters and for Inquiries of Our Reality. And if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. 
you guys can join the ranks of the awesome Patreon members. Over there, you'll get things such as ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes, uh, exclusive merch store discounts. And uh, over there, you don't just get inquiries. You also get Bizarre Encounters because it's the Open Minds Media Patreon, of course. And uh, if you guys want to donate to the show so that it can make it a little bit easier for me to be able to make it out to more events, uh, be able to meet more of you guys face-to-face, which I definitely want to do. I want to get to know every single one of you guys that's been listening, especially the you guys that have been listening since the start of the show. Uh, you guys can always donate through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And uh, if you guys don't have the option to leave some type of personalized message, shoot me a message. Let me know what you guys donated because, like I always say, I want to give appreciation where appreciations do. And uh, if you guys want another way that you guys can support the show, you guys can always go and check out the Open Minds Media merch store where you'll find all of the new different designs that I've been throwing up over there. Uh, starting to build more into some cryptid designs. So, down the pipeline, there should be some more of that coming. Uh, for anybody that attended Squonkapalooza, you saw the new Squonk design that uh, Chris from Conspired Theory worked on for me. Uh, that, soon enough, will be up on the uh, Open Minds Media merch store. And I should hopefully be expanding into some more cryptid designs if you guys want to go and check all that stuff out. But at the end of the day, if you guys aren't able to support the show through any of those three ways, you guys can always just support the show by being present, being part of the community, uh, giving me feedback on things, uh, sharing the show in general, uh, just being involved. You know, you guys can support podcasts, not necessarily by donating, but just being involved. That, that kind of stuff means the world to all of us. And as I always say, that doesn't just pertain to this podcast. It's any podcast that you guys love, because at the end of the day, uh, all of us are pretty much doing this as a passion thing. So sometimes we need a little bit of feedback, you know, just let us know that you guys appreciate what we're doing because we appreciate that you guys listen in the first place. So don't forget to always support any podcast that you guys love because I've seen a lot of podcasts come and go and maybe that dividing difference that maybe they would have stuck around was if they had some more people interacting with them, letting them know that they enjoyed the show. So if you guys want to see your favorite podcast, stick around. Don't forget to interact with them in some way, shape or form. And uh, speaking of people sticking around, this guy's been around forever. He's the absolute best. Joe from Crypto Theology, always killing it over there with the cryptid-related merch designs. If you guys don't already have a few Crypto Theology designs in your wardrobe, I definitely think that you guys need to get some. So go over to his website, go and check it out. You guys can even uh, get some exclusive uh, Bizarre Encounters, Bizarre Combat shirt. I know it's a little bit outdated with the old co-host, but still pretty cool design all the same. So definitely worth going and checking out. And uh, everything that I've mentioned, of course, is all available down in the show description in the link tree. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show for the third or fourth returning time. One of those, because I know that you went on Bizarre Encounters too. Everybody, please welcome to the show researcher and author tim schwartz how's it going today man hey thank you for having me back on again it's always my pleasure it's always a great conversation whenever you come on i have a lot of fun every single time and i'm sure for all the listeners that have been around for a while they see we usually go for like two two and a half hours so it's always a fun conversation man i look forward to uh whenever we get to actually get together and do this you seem to be the most returning guest of the show at this point <laughs> oh well thank you very much i appreciate that <laughs> i think we completely met on accident too i think we just uh ended up 
meeting on Instagram on accident or something like that. And now it's sparked all these awesome conversations. And it, even the, even the listeners, I know there's a good handful of them that get excited whenever they see your name pop up on the show. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I, I do. I, I, I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I hope that, uh, Today's show will uh, be just as entertaining for your audience as our previous ones. Hey, even if it's entertaining for me, it is what it is, man. I always have fun talking to you, man. (laughs) So uh, for anybody that might be a new listener, somebody that hasn't been around for that long, and they don't know who you are, why don't you kind of give them a rough idea about who you are and what you do before we get into it today? Uh, you know, I've uh, uh, forgotten myself most of the time. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know... um, I am a longtime Fordian researcher and uh, author. And uh, uh, what I mean by Fordian is uh, I kind of follow the, uh, uh, the methods of uh, Charles Fort, the uh, uh, writer from uh, the early 20th century who wrote such uh, fantastic books such as Low and, uh, oh my gosh, New Lands and, and, and books like that. And uh, uh, it's, uh, I've always been interested in the world of the weird. As, as I like to call it, uh, whether it's UFOs, ghosts, cryptid creatures, just uh, anything strange and, and, and mysterious. Uh, I'm fascinated by it, you know, I, but, um, you know, I'm also fascinated by uh, uh, practically any kind of aspect of, of, of life. Uh, but, you know, especially the things that aren't as most people would refer to it as, as normal. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I love the abnormal. <laughs> I am abnormal. Uh, I, uh, some of the best people are. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. The most interesting, at least I think, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, most of my career, uh, I spent in television. Uh, I was a, uh, a, a, a videographer, uh, producer, director, a uh, little bit of everything. You know, was a was a weatherman at a small uh, a, a television station very early on in my career, and uh, that um, I wasn't during that time in my life. I wasn't able to write as much as I do now because, you know, face it, when you work in television, that is almost a 24-hour, seven days a week type of career. And uh, it just, uh, uh, you know, keeps keeps you busy. But, uh, you know, there, there, there came a point in my life when um, I decided that I was probably getting too old <laughs> for too old for television unless I wanted to become, you know, like an executive or, you know, do, you know, desk work and things like that. And that that really didn't interest me at all. So I decided I would go back to my earlier days of of uh, of researching and writing about the the paranormal. I, uh, when I was in college, I wrote articles for uh, various, uh, especially UFO magazines that were uh, being published at the time. I mean, <laughs> you probably 
have no idea, but there used to be a time when you could actually go to the bookstore or the drugstore and buy magazines that were exclusively about uh, UFOs or, or, or ghosts or other paranormal subjects. You know, now, those days are long gone, and, and there were publishers that would actually pay you money for uh, these kinds of articles. And uh, so I helped, uh, it, it helped support me to a certain extent through through college i think the only so one left is the inquirer that's probably like literally probably the only one left that's left but you know they don't even publish that much about ufos anymore uh, in uh, uh you know like i hate to say my day but in my in my day <laughs> <laughs> you know in my day they they did do a lot more stories about UFOs and ghosts and things. Now it's just mostly, you know, celebrity crap. Um, well, and, and in fact, you know, my, my good friend, the late Tim Beckley, I mean, he wrote for the Inquirer uh, about UFOs and stuff and, and you know, made, made a pretty good uh, uh, living uh, doing that. And, you know, the one thing that uh, uh, Beckley always told me, because everyone always thinks that the Inquirer especially you know, are just uh, uh, were just rags that you could publish anything. But he said, out of all the places that he ever worked for, the Inquirer required the most verification. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that because that's the joke in Men in Black. They're like, "Oh, you want to know some new new cases going on? You always got to check the uh, Inquirer." <laughs> yep. Trickle feeding uh, knowledge to people through movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Beckley. Beckley always said that uh, you know he had to, he had to make sure that everything that he wrote about had been verified and was truthful. Uh, interviews had to be recorded uh, uh, at the same time as being written down, so that the editors could then listen to the recordings to make sure that uh, it matched what was written, um, you know, in 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 the articles. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, so, you know, uh, I, I decided that I'd, uh, uh, I'd get back into it and, uh, uh, uh start writing. I had never in, in all the years that I spent in television, I always continued, um, researching and investigating cases when they would, uh, when they would come by what my way, but I just never you know, got back. I, I wasn't writing and publishing. So, you know, probably around the middle, middle 1990s is when I decided to start, uh, start publishing again. Haven't stopped since. Perfect timing around the yeah, X-Files days when everybody was interested in the topics again. Yep. Yep. Uh, 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 let's let me see here. Yeah, the X Files was still going on, and that you know, it it probably was the X Files that got me interested in uh, publishing again, uh, because there was this interest. Uh, 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 the funny thing when I was when I was in college. The movie um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out, all right? And you would have thought that that would have have really generated a lot of interest in people wanting to uh, uh, read about uh, UFOs. But I think more UFO magazines uh, folded not too long after Close Encounters came out. That, uh, that seemed to have been the pinnacle of the interest in UFOs, and everything uh, started to trail off. 
That's kind of weird that that movie is one of those forgotten classics where it's like all the people that are really into the UFO stuff still remember that movie. But for like the main public eye, as far as alien movies go, you know, older generation, maybe that'll pop up in the movies when you're talking about aliens. But like most of like the newer generation probably has no idea that movie even exists. And they I feel that they depicted a lot of stuff as accurately as they possibly could for that movie versus like the extravagant, super theatrical stuff you normally see when it comes to alien movies. But maybe that's where the interest was lost from. It wasn't crazy enough or theatrical enough. Well, you know, the uh, uh, Steven Spielberg, I mean, he did his homework um, when he put that uh, uh, movie together because there were a lot of little things in it that uh, had uh, actually been reported in, uh, uh, in in real UFO cases, you know, like uh, the uh, Richard Dreyfus character, you know, when he got uh, um, when he got stuck on the railroad track. And uh, his truck was uh, hit by a beam of light from overhead, and he couldn't get it started. And then he found, uh, like, he had he got some kind of uh, uh, mental impression, you know, like blasted into his brain. You really, you know, you don't know what's going on at the point at that point, but you see him when this is happening. He's just he he just kind of like looks down, and he's like like that. And it's at that point where I guess that uh, that mental image of the Devil's Tower is put into his brain, which becomes his obsession through the rest of the movie. He can't figure out why it's an obsession, but, you know, that's uh, all kinds of similar circumstances in real life of, of, of people being impressed with some kind of visual or, or, or mental clue about uh, uh, various things, not, you know, not quite as, as overt as say, like, you know, going to the devil's tower and then being taken away by the, by the friendly aliens. Uh, but uh, that, um, that type of obsession that, uh, uh, that, that, that character had, uh, you know, you, there's a famous scene, you know, where he piles on the mashed potatoes. I mean, even the Simpsons yep. did uh, did a take on that. <laughs> you know, he piles up the mashed potatoes, and he's trying to. You know, he doesn't know what he's what he's doing. He's just uh, 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 he he he's going. He's on subconscious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, there's there's been a lot of cases of people who have you know similar types of of obsessions after close encounters. Uh, uh, with UFOs, uh, but uh, yeah, I remember when I originally saw the movie, the end, you know, where the aliens start coming out. Uh, I, at, at the time, they were portrayed as the you know like the big eyed greys, and and this would have been you know like what seventy seven, I think seventy eight, seventy seven, when the movie came out. The, the the whole big eyed grays was not that predominant, you know. Uh, uh, so you know what when I saw that I was just like you know well, why did they go with that? I mean you know there had been some report to the big eyed grays, but they weren't the be all do all like they are now. You know it's 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 like every other alien or you know supposed alien that has been seen associated with UFOs has gone away. To be replaced by the big eyed grays. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, it may be a cultural thing, you know, for some reason that that movie was the start of that mental image that people have. 
I mean, that yeah. could be part of like, I don't know, like you said, it's like a mental image that everybody started projecting after that. If these things are theoretically like formless or if there's some type of like biological drone. But I was going to ask you offhand if you knew where the whole like little green men thing came from, because I mean, I've always associated the, these these beings and like that structure with grays and the grays. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, obviously it seemed like it switched around the time of this movie. But before that, if you were collecting reports or you're hearing reports, was there... Was it a normal thing for everybody to refer to them as green until then? And then the mental image changed to gray after that? Or like, where, where did that transition happen? You know, the little green men, that, that came maybe as early as the 1950s. Um, and it was used as a derogatory comment about people who saw UFOs. You know, uh, oh, you know, they saw little green men. Uh, uh, and that, you know, it, that may have come as, as far back as some of the early, um, pulp science fiction magazines, uh, especially from the, uh, the, the forties and, 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 and early fifties, though most of the time, uh, the creatures on the covers of, of those magazines were always, you know, like, you know, big gnarly, <laughs> you know, looking uh, a beast, you know, they, maybe they would have a helmet, but I mean, you know, they would just, you know, be, you know, large, horrible creatures with a uh, bikini clad woman slung over their shoulders and a ray gun, you know, shooting at the good guys. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, mostly it's you know, the, like the, the late fifties and early sixties is when the whole motif motif of the little green men came from. And it really, it didn't have anything to do with actual sightings. It was used by the press to make fun of the whole UFO phenomenon and, uh, uh, you know, little green men from Mars, uh, that, uh, when, when the majority you know, in the early days, there really wasn't a majority. If, if you go and look at the cases where people would actually see occupants associated with, say, like a landed UFO, they could ha they ranged from um, giants to normal sized people with long blonde hair and big blue eyes to uh, uh, little hairy guys that you know would look like miniature uh, Bigfoot. You know that that sort of thing. Uh, now, in the um, around 1952, there was a big flap of UFO sightings in Europe, especially France, where uh, people reported seeing. Uh, and and this is one of the earliest um, cases or a multitude of cases of people seeing uh, UFO occupants, and they almost always were described as like little guys usually wearing what they would call like um, scuba gear or, you know, some kind of, of, of like a, um, a, a fishbowl type of helmet and a, 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 a suit covering their body that, you know, most of the time you couldn't tell what was underneath it all you could see would be like the, you know a helmet and then like a like a spacesuit but you know in the early 1950s spacesuits weren't really a common thing for people to describe you know we hadn't even you know set satellites up in the space at that point so people often describe these beings as wearing like uh, underwater suits or scuba gear uh, type of things 
uh, but almost all the time, these things were described as short uh, uh, children. In fact, you know, a lot of times if people would see them first at a distance, they would they would think that they were seeing children, and it wasn't until they would get closer that they could tell that these were things that um, had adult proportions, except smaller. Uh, but uh, right up until really the 1970s, uh, uh, there really wasn't any kind of set definitive type of description of a alien being. You know, it was uh, uh, it it just it was it was anything, and and then it wasn't until after really close encounters of the third kind that the whole uh, uh, big-eyed uh, grays uh, became the, uh, 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 the de facto. <laughs> I mean, in a way, just to throw this one in there, and uh, this is funny that you were describing the ones from Europe because it kind of fits perfectly with what I'm about to throw here, but the Hopskinville goblins, I mean, there's some theories about them that I've been kind of contemplating about them not necessarily even being connected to the UFO. They may have been something else, but prime example, little silver men with big bug eyes and then the depiction changes to green. So it's, again, kind of what we were talking about, that everybody draws the Hopskinville goblins now and knows them as green, but the original depictions of them were little silver creatures with giant bug eyes. So it was already kind of fitting that tall gray idea, and that was, what, back in 1954, if I'm not mistaken, that the Hopskinville encounter happened? Right, 1954. And uh, uh, you're right. I mean, they, they were silver in color and glowed in the dark, and they had big ears, too. Like, you know, almost like uh, a pointed elephant types of ears. But they had big eyes and a, uh, like a large mouth that like wrapped up around their head. But uh, they, were, uh, they, were, they were small and uh, uh, their, their hands and arms were long, almost like monkeys, uh, uh, possibly with claws at the end of their hands, though they never, uh, they never injured anybody. Uh, but but yeah, I mean you know if uh, uh, that that would have been the perfect description of a little green man, except these guys were silver, and uh, uh, and and not green. But you can see though how you you take the original reports, and then as the years go by, and you have say like researchers who write about this, who you know maybe don't do their homework and just base their work off of somebody else's work. And as time goes by, it evolves into, you know, green men or, or, or what have you. And I mean, even like uh, just to throw in another one, that's kind of similar along those lines too. I mean, you got the Pascagoula aliens too. Those ones seem to come off as silver. So, I mean, just, just the whole idea of like them being green, I almost wonder if it's one of those things that they throw it into the, universal consciousness idea so that it makes them sound a little bit more ridiculous because I feel like the image of an alien in front of you being a gray color is a little bit more believable than like a bright green. So maybe the whole idea behind it was that they wanted to do slow disclosure of at least like the body shape, but it's a lot less, um, I guess you could say scary when it's like a bright green color. And then it brings it a little bit more into the real world when you think of it not actually being green because I mean, it, it, I don't know, it just, it just makes it seem like a little bit more cartoony and maybe that's like what the idea was behind it. Or, I mean, maybe there was original reports that went back farther than that. And I mean, there's a lot of different theories about like their DNA degrading over time. Maybe at some point they were green 
And as their DNA started to degrade through the years, maybe they started turning into more of like a gray color. Um, but I guess I kind of have to dig into some older stories in order to see if I can find old ones where they actually describe them completely as green. But I don't know, just, just an idea to throw out there. There, there was a, a short story, a novella, that was written, I think, in the 1940s by a man named Harold Sherman. And it was called The Green Man. And uh, uh, this this was a guy from Mars, and this was a science fiction science fiction story. You know, there's no no f- uh, uh, fact about it, but the the description was of a normal sized man from Mars, except that he was green. And uh, uh, so uh, there's even though most people have forgotten about that, you know, there may have been enough because it was very distinctive for its day, you know, that may have been enough to have been carried down uh, and uh, uh, become part of that, um, you know, that, 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 that pop mindset, even though most people don't remember, you know, where it, uh, it, it, it may have came from. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, Mars has always played a predominant role in the uh, early days of UFO, because you know at that time, uh, the especially starting in the late forties, there you know, there was a possibility uh, we didn't know that uh, Mars could actually harbor life and, and intelligent life and uh, a, a, a civilization uh, as well. So, um, and even as far back as the uh, late nineteenth uh, century, you know, you had somebody like Nikola Tesla who uh, claimed that uh, when he was doing research at Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, he, he was researching uh, uh, thunderstorms. And he actually built uh, the f- one of the first radio receivers in order to track thunderstorms uh, uh, using uh, um, AM, AM frequency. You know, be, uh, and I don't know if you know this, but you know, if you have an AM radio and there are thunderstorms around, you can barely listen to any radio stations on it because the lightning creates a static on AM that it's, it's, it's difficult to listen to. Tesla was using that to track these storms uh, to see, you know, if they came close to his laboratory, then he actually had like this antenna that he would crank up into the air in order to try to capture lightning. Cause you know, he had the idea that, you know, if, if, uh, there, there possibly could be a way to um, capture lightning and use that as a source of energy. Uh, but uh, when he was using this AM receiver, he actually received um, signals that weren't coming from Earth. And uh, he likened them to like uh, Morse code, you know, like dots and dashes. And uh, he wrote an article for, uh, uh, I think it was Collins uh, uh, Magazine, where he speculated that uh, he may have been hearing um, signals coming from the planet Mars. So, you know, Mars has played a predominant role uh, throughout UFO history as being a a, a possible uh, originating point of UFOs. Take into that then the whole um, making fun of the phenomena, little green men from Mars. Uh, 
I mean, just to throw an idea for the whole Mars thing, I mean, a lot of people may just want to throw it out the window that there's nothing on Mars because they see pictures from NASA. It's all just like a desert, blah, 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 blah. But everybody digs into like the whole hollow Earth concept as far as like Earth goes. And especially when it comes to like there being apocalypse events, uh, people dig into the whole idea about people possibly going underground. I mean, if you were, say, you know, they've already kind of shown that they believe that there was waterways that have existed on Mars and that there was some form of like water, possibly some form of microscopic life as they're trying to trickle out a little bit as far as Mars goes. But, you know, I kind of wonder if maybe there was something that was there way before humans started were were on Earth, maybe when like that was in the perfect spot as far as like uh, the um solar system goes where it's pretty much in earth's location now so it had like a perfect amount of life at the time but when a cataclysmic event started happening if they moved everything underground so i mean maybe there's still a possibility of there being something on mars um but rather than it being on the surface it's underground and i mean obviously you dig into a lot of this weird conspiracy stuff where people are talking about you know doing these wars on mars and this and that and i mean obviously i like to throw those in as definitely a possibility, but I don't know for sure. But I mean, I've heard a few different stories about them talking about these like insectoid looking type things that are on Mars that stay in caves and this and that. So, I mean, it kind of fits the whole theory that, you know, possibly there was life there at some point. Everything just moved underground when uh, the surface started becoming inhabitable. And maybe that even depicts the normal idea of what you were saying, where when people were first seeing these UFOs back during the flaps in the 50s, they're all wearing helmets and stuff is because maybe that was the first time they were starting to venture out onto the surface after maybe generations and generations and generations of being hollow earth dwellers, essentially on Mars. I can't remember which one it was, but one of the... um the early remote viewing projects, uh, either, you know, with the CIA or the military, they actually had one of their, their most gifted viewers uh, take a look at Mars. And, uh, and they had the impression that there was a tall race, kind of insectoid looking, that, uh, that lived on the surface years you know millions of years ago you know i mean before you know i mean you know we uh, our our ancestors were probably still burrowing underground you know as like little little rat types of of, of creatures and that this was a, a technologically superior race and that due to various circumstances mars was dying and some of the inhabitants fled while others moved underground and are still there. Uh, the remote viewer got the impression that they were in a form of hybridation, though, but would periodically uh, uh, awaken. Uh, but, but they felt that you know, this was a dying race, that uh, uh, they're now just, just you know, a few scattered uh, across the planet, you know, the, living or sleeping underground, however you put it. Uh, but I always found it intriguing that they said that uh, a lot of the population actually fled the planet. So where did they go to? You know, are they st- did they come to Earth? Uh, are they still flying around and visiting uh, us uh, occasionally? Uh, you know, it's 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 an intriguing hypothesis. And, and it's not just Mars. Uh, you know, you had uh, people like... Um, the late uh, Dr. Frank Stranges, 
who uh, claimed uh, a, a contact with a being called Valiant Thor that um, had uh, uh, gotten in touch with the United States government and uh, was actually in friendly relations and uh, uh, they, they met each other at the Pentagon. But uh, uh, Valiant Thor claimed that, uh, that he was from Venus, not the surface of Venus, but from underground, that the surface was uninhabitable. And you have to remember, when, uh, when Dr. Stranges was writing about this, it was thought at the time that uh, uh, Venus could be habitable, that, you know, we couldn't tell how hot it was because, you know, Venus is wrapped in a, uh, a very thick cloud layer. And uh, it, it was thought that underneath this cloud layer, the surface was probably maybe, uh, uh, maybe a little bit warmer than Earth, but not as much because of this cloud layer. But uh, 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 Dr. Strange has said that, no, the surface of Venus was extremely hot now and that the, uh, uh, the, the, the people who lived there had moved underground a long time ago and were living underground and were, you know, tech, naturally technologically superior, not only technologically, but cultural and spiritually as well. And uh, uh, they were the ones that were uh, responsible, or, or at least with the group that Dr. Strange has said that he was in contact with, with uh, uh, visiting Earth in the, uh, in the flying saucers. So you know it's 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 interesting how, um, because you know the whole hollow Earth motif is something that has been with us for centuries, millennia. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, ancient societies, uh, their whole um, creation stories had it. If if mankind hadn't come from the stars, they came from underground. So I mean, you know, you you could you could find both of these creation theories all across the planet in these ancient uh, ancient societies, and uh, and in fact, in the uh, the nineteen forties, you had the whole uh, shaver mystery, uh, uh, which 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 came about from the science fiction magazine called Amazing Stories that was published out of Chicago. And uh, uh, Richard Shaver actually wrote them, and uh, you know had this whole big uh, thing about the uh, uh, underground dwellers called the the Dero, which were part of an ancient race that uh, lived on the planet uh, uh, you know millions of years ago, but had to leave because the sun got radioactive. Those who didn't leave moved underground, but due to the radiation and just the whole aspect of living underground had deteriorated mentally. That's what the term Dero came from. He called them uh, detrimental robots, not robots like we think of robots as mechanical beings, but uh, uh, robots in the uh, form of a, uh, um, uh, a mentally deranged person who does the same thing over and over and over again, which that's what he felt the Dero were. The Dero were these beings who still had access to a lot of this amazing technology, but used it in order to screw with us on the surface. Kind of like, uh, um, you know, if you'd put a religious aspect to it, it would be uh, 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 religions, uh, you know, devils and demons. Uh, Richard Shaver gave it more of a modern spin as underground, uh, 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 a lost race of underground antediluvian dwellers. 
that uh, uh, use this amazing technology, not to better themselves, but to screw with us. Just to throw in kind of a funny theory to think about, though. So I think I talked about it last time you were on the show about this whole idea about how UFOs, I think, can theoretically vibrate in a different frequency to the point where they pretty much pass through solid mass because they're vibrating almost like into a different dimension, so to speak. So they become like translucent and that's when people they can like fly through uh, solid surfaces, all that kind of stuff is because they're not physical within this reality. But right. just to kind of throw in a weird concept of how that could have theoretically been created in the first place, if you were some type of alien race that was living on a planet where there was radiation and you had no way of leaving the planet theoretically, you know, you'd have to try to find some way in order to live around the radiation. So who's to say they didn't try to invent something that would make them vibrate in a different frequency where this radiation would basically just pass right through them? And then maybe in turn, you know, it was they had to make it out of necessity so that they could survive where they were living at. But in turn, they ended up creating a zero gravity device by trying to make it so that they could live within radiation. And I mean, that could also be theoretically what's happening now too, because I know you've talked about a bunch of times when you came on the show about how basically any time like a UFO lands or any time there are UFOs around, how it'll leave some type of radioactivity to the soil around it or the trees or whatever. Um, maybe part of that is because they can be around the radiation because they found a way to vibrate at a different frequency where the radiation, instead of it hitting them on a microscopic or on a microscopic level with all the giant radi- with all the tiny radiation particles, it just passes right through them and they aren't. It doesn't interfere with them whatsoever. Oh yeah. Um, well, if you look at the UFO phenomena, uh, uh, it it definitely seems to operate on their own terms, in their own reality, so to speak. And as you pointed out, uh, there, these things are seen, you know, like uh, uh, entering uh, the sides of hills or, or mountains without any apparent openings. They just, they just fly into them. Uh, uh, going into the sea without uh, – creating a splash or, or any kind of indications. It's, it's, they almost act like ghosts, but they're also seen to lie, land and leave physical traces. Like you said, uh, 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 sometimes uh, 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 remnants of radiation, sometimes um, electromagnetism, uh, uh, physical effects on say like the nearby uh, uh, plants, trees, uh, uh, things like that. Um, so, you know, it definitely seems to me that whatever the UFO phenomena is, it's, it's, it has the ability to travel outside of our own reality, but somehow is able to be, you know, seen as well, and then has that ability to, uh, like you said, you know, maybe change its uh, uh, vibrational state. Uh, And of course, we're just using words for lack of of really better terms, Uh, uh, but, you know, able to change their their rate of vibration to uh, better become real to, to, uh, to be able to, to interact, um, uh, with the material world. So, um, you know, if that's the case, if we are dealing with something that is able to travel like that, 
then space-time is nothing to them, all right? They are outside of it. They could, they could travel to Earth, Mars, the other side of the universe in the blink of an eye because it's uh, 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 they are outside they're outside of it it would be like if um, uh, an example would be say like um, our reality our universe is a sheet of paper and they're uh, uh, like a schoolboy with a pencil punching holes in that sheet of paper you know earth our galaxy would be just like a tiny dot at, at, at a corner of that paper. That means nothing. You know, you could punch through that and then punch on the other side of the, you know, uh, of the universe. And I suspect that's the way that these things are, are, are able to, to travel. Now, whether or not they come from this reality and have found a way, like you said, to uh, uh, navigate outside of it, or if their origins are already outside of it. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the question, you know, uh, uh, right there. Um, because whenever they have a chance to talk to people, you know, uh, the information that they're given is usually not good. <laughs> and, and what I mean by not good, I mean, it's not... It, 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 it's not accurate. It seems to be almost deliberately lying to people, you know, because you look at the, uh, say like the UFO encounters in the 1950s when say like the contactees would come into, you know, would, would, would run across these beings. They were always told, yeah, well, I mean, you know, we, we come from Mars or Uranus or, you know, Jupiter, you know, thing, you know, places like that. Well, we now know that uh, uh, at least for the most part that probably there aren't, many people able to live on say like Saturn or, 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 or Jupiter. Well, you know, once we start getting that kind of knowledge, well, then the information goes further out, you know, well, you know, yeah, we, we, we don't, we don't come from anywhere in the solar system. We come from Alpha Centauri or, you know, someplace like that. So is it going to be when the time comes that we're able to get to some of these nearby star systems and again, find that they're not there, that they'll, you know, say, oh, well, well we're from even further out. Uh, so uh, I, I, I suspect that these are things that really that, that, that either originate completely outside of our reality or they, you know, they do come from, you know, uh, uh, our universe but have that ability to operate outside of a reality and are, are, they're not about to give up their secrets, you know, to, to us uh, rock-throwing apes just yet. <laughs> I mean, just a kind of funny thing to think about, though. Maybe they don't want to actually tell you where they're coming from to begin with because they don't want to give up, like, their home planet, their home base, especially knowing how destructive humans are to begin with. And I mean, all the information that we're taking in as far as like what the surface of all these planets are like are coming straight through government funded programs. So it's like, you, you know, you can believe it all you want or you cannot believe it all you want. You don't necessarily know for sure because the government definitely has a track record of lying to people. But I mean, even kind of going into this different interdimensional idea, I mean, you hear about that in science, you hear about it everywhere. It's not just like a strictly conspiracy community minded type of idea. 
I mean, if there are multiple dimensions, multiple realities, maybe these things are coming from different planets, but in those dimensions, there's no life on any other planet in the solar system besides like Venus, for example, or from Mars or this, and they are coming from different realities, but different realities of our solar system itself, and they are correct by saying that they're from these planets, but in our reality, it's inhabitable uninhabitable but in their reality it is habitable and maybe earth is uninhabitable in their reality oh yeah yeah well and and that that has been suggested you know before that um that they are telling us the truth that we're, they are coming from uh, uh their venus and and their mars and whatever because from whatever reality that they're uh that they're coming from those those worlds are uh are are habitable uh, but but you made an interesting point at the beginning of uh, uh, your, your your question about not revealing where they come from and do you blame them? <laughs> uh, uh, Half the time you don't even want to tell people that you walk across where you're from. People don't want to give oh, out yeah. their address, let alone to again another race of something that you don't know how destructive they can be. <laughs> oh no! Exactly! Exactly! Uh, uh, you know, Possibly one of the interests of, of Earth is us and our capabilities, not just our not just our scientific capabilities, uh, but uh, possibly our um, our spiritual capabilities as well. You know, because I do believe that you know we are more than than just our bodies. That there are uh, other aspects to us. Uh, 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 that uh, uh, that make us interesting, but right now we're still out of control. You know, we're 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 a very you know we're a very juvenile species and prone to violence. And if say for instance, you know, I mean, you know, and and I'll use like some of the worst, say like science fiction tropes, but you know, if you have somebody who has the ability to um, develop, say, powers such as telekinesis uh, uh, or, or, you know, or, or something, something along those lines. You know, I mean, that's, that's probably is, would just be a very small aspect of the type of, 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 of mental abilities that, that, that we could access. And if, if, if you have somebody who can cause things to fly around their room, who's to say that they can't take that even a step further and, you know, move planets uh, with, with just their minds? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe one individual wouldn't be able to do that. But uh, if you go and look at, say, like um, Arthur C. Clarke's book, uh, I think it was Arthur C. Clarke. Could be Robert Heinlein. I can't remember now. Uh, uh, called Childhood Ant, where uh, at the at the end of the story, and uh, if if anybody in the audience hasn't read this book, and I'm revealing the end here, my apologies. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert! There you go. Um, where the next generation of children are, a, they're a hive mind. All right, and the rest of us, those of the older generations are forced to flee the planet because the children have become, you know, their hive mind and they basically um, destroy the planet and then their mind goes off into, to do whatever, you know, there, that's the next evolution of, 
of humankind. This this hive almost godlike mind. Uh, uh, so, if we have that kind of ability in the future, then yeah, you know, other races are going to approach us very, very tentatively, you know, because they, 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 they know what we are able to do. And unless we are taught properly, guided properly, then, then yeah, I mean, you know, we could be, you know, like the universal ravagers, <laughs> just, just, just out there destroying whole galaxies uh, 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 because we're crazy. So, you know, like I said, you know, it's, 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 it's a bad science fiction trope, but with some of the things that we have seen in association with this phenomena, you know, it's, it, it, it could very well be not that far outside of, of possibility, you know, right now we're, you know, we're concentrating on, you know, what planet are these things coming from? Well, I mean, that may be the most simplistic of questions. You know, could be a deterring question to, intentionally that you're not actually yeah. looking into the real knowledge they bestow. People are too preoccupied with what planet they're coming from, which honestly doesn't right. is the least important thing about extraterrestrials or aliens existing in the first place. Right, right. Well, and, and, you know, we're looking at these things, you know, uh, like we've been raised on, uh, you know, Saturday morning cartoons and, and science fiction books, you know, with these planets with the tall crystal buildings and, you know, people flying around in Jetson type of, of, of vehicles. And, you know, and that may be just completely wrong. You know, the, the you know, it, it, it could very well be that the development of of a civilization is uh, that that um, that spiritual evolutionary jump, where uh, where these things, where these beings that 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 we are seeing, are coming to us from all kinds of different realities, but are traveling to us um, mentally, uh, not not mentally. What am I? You know, they they're 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 basically you know uh, uh, forms of energy that can coalesce in our reality for brief periods of times to look physical. And that could be what, uh, 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 you know, our next real evolutionary stack. And, you know, there, there is, um, there's a writer by the name of, of Raymond Fowler, who um, he spent years investigating uh, UFO abduction cases. And, and he has come to believe that, that humans our physical life here is just a larval state all right that after we die that is when we become adults that our our actual adult stage is completely outside of the material world as we think of it uh, uh, and and he cites cases where you know uh, people have been abducted and uh, and and have conversations with these these beings, and um, there there was one conversation that one person had. Uh, they were, uh, uh, I guess, they were like they they were grimacing at the look of these things, 
And they asked them, you know, why are you why are you acting like that? And they're like, oh, well, you know, you're so ugly. And they laughed and they said, you're going to be like us one day. So, you know, what if that's the case? What if we are just the larval state of of a being that is that at its adult stage is completely outside of our under even capable of understanding, you know, what that will involve. Well, you know, the only thing that we know is that it'll involve a, a, a super expanded consciousness and probably with that ability to travel throughout all the different realities, you know, including this one. I mean, who's to say we aren't already there where if there is some type of universal hive mind or some type of like universal consciousness that assumably like once you've become everything, you would almost get like bored and need to be entertained in some way, shape or form. So maybe you intentionally split yourself in order to be able to see things from a bunch of different angles and maybe each of those individual vessels that are seeing everything from all different angles aren't connecting with all the other ones directly, but there is still the whole connecting tie between everything where maybe like every single experience that you have and every single thing that you do is getting collected into a universal consciousness and we are hive minded, but just because of our physical reality that we're in currently, like we're not able to connect, but as soon as we pass away, then we reconnect back into everything and realize that we are part of this giant hive mind. And that's where you have all these like near death experiences where people will say things right before they go, like it all makes so much sense now. Then they'll just disappear and be done with it after that. Like they, they always will say this is like weird prolific things right at the end. Like they figured everything out and everything completely makes sense. But I mean, assumably though, it's almost like creating a game in a way that if you were trying to experience reality from all angles, you know, you wouldn't just run through the map as fast as you possibly can. You'd want to take in every single little intricate piece of it as you go. So, you know, each life, each experience, each thing that you do is all just mass collecting for universal consciousness to completely understand how to possibly shape and form the universe itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the show that I co-host, uh, uh, the Paracast with uh, uh, Gene Steinberg, we recently had a guest on by the name of um, Mindy Talkfest, and I don't know if you can see her book. She just recently—it's going to be backwards, I know—but it's called. She's got a book out called "Dying to Meet Them," and um, she's actually the uh, the dean of Mufon uh, uh, University, uh, uh, and has been a member of Mufon for for a number of years, but she, she had a near death experience and, um, she, now before she had this near death experience, you know, her and her family were, uh, you know, pretty, you know, uh, fundamentalist Christians, you know, and when she found herself, um, dead, um, she, she, she saw, her experience was that she was in a completely black void. All right. And, uh, uh, she did, she didn't know at first if she was just like, say like in a black room or if everything, and you know, that it was just her consciousness in a black. And she was, she said that she tried to look at her hand 
and you know she held it as close to her uh, what she perceived as her eyes but she couldn't see anything so she, she could still feel her physical form though that was about to be what i was gonna ask right after that so it's still there's still some type of connection to the the shape that you are even if you yeah, aren't physical she, she did she did have that but she wasn't able to see it so i mean she she felt that um even though she she was still perceiving herself kind of like in the old way, you know, her, her living way that she was just consciousness at that point. And, uh, um, and she, she, she kept expecting the things that, um, she had heard about in near death experiences, tunnel of light, you know, uh, a loved ones coming to greet her. None of that happened to her. And she was starting to despair. She was figuring that, you know, Jesus was going to come and take her to heaven. And that wasn't happening. And so she was racking her brain trying to figure out what she had done wrong in her life. That, you know, because she was thinking, well, maybe I'm in hell. Or maybe I'm going to hell and I'm in, in, in purgatory. And she was really starting to despair. Then all of a sudden, she perceived another being over her, I think she said, her left shoulder. And she said that, um, you know, it wasn't Jesus, it wasn't a loved one or anything like that. The only thing that she could perceive was that this was a male being. And uh, uh, this, this, this being said to her... Um, you're not going to hell. This isn't forever. And so she's, you know, she, after he said that, she had this sense of relief that, okay, at least I know now that, you know, uh, uh, this, this, you know, it's, it's not going to get any, it's not going to get any worse than this. But then she said that <clears throat> she felt like then that they were traveling and she started to see like a purple glow. And she saw this huge expanse of, as she described it, almost like a web with, with glowing uh, 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 nodes on this web. And, and, and I can't remember exactly what, what this being said to her, but basically he said, this was the veil of humanity. And she got the perception that... Each one of these dots, these glowing dots, were um, were other lives, other realities, and uh, and and so and and she thought she's like, well, I'm going to go to one of those, but instead she said they veered off, and he's like, nope, not going to do that, <laughs> and then she found herself uh, um, uh, uh, awakened again. Uh, uh, you know, she uh, uh, returned to her physical body, but I pointed out to her, and and she acknowledges she you know uh, she had thought about this as well, that when you look at some of these um, reproductions that scientists have used uh, you know computers to put together what at least our current knowledge of the universe looks like, it looks like like this this vast, almost like uh, a web 
of of uh, the, all the you know galaxies stretched out across the universe, which also looks like the um, the cellular structure of a human brain. So you know it's it's almost like the you know the universe you know is 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 a, um, a, like a giant brain almost with each of our lives and realities the 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 uh, the cells uh, of of this vast uh, this vast web so you know it's 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 interesting you know her stories compared to you know some of the others and what you were saying about almost uh, 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 like uh, uh, our lives being like avatars to to the point where uh, uh, this this uh, universal consciousness is is has has splintered itself into a multitude of different lives and different realities in order to experience it all uh, uh, and and you know it's interesting because there have been you know people who have had UFO experiences who using different kinds of languages have kind of described basically the same thing so um, you know I I expect to see as time goes by and we get we start to get a better understanding um, on the nature of our reality and the nature of of this these unusual phenomena and uh, uh, and how they all intertwine and connect together and how consciousness is probably the guiding force with with all of it kind of a weird thing that I've been kind of tossing around in my head for a while, but it seems to kind of fit just what you're describing. So this is probably the perfect time to kind of describe this. So my kind of theory that I've kind of wondered is when you had these void spaces, the void space means that nothing's there. So that means that something theoretically could be created there. And you hear about this idea about different dimensions and how dimensions are always expanding. And there's always this infinite possibility of all these different dimensions. So combine that with the whole concept of, you know, the biblical idea about when you pass away, you get your own personal heaven. So what if there was originally a base consciousness and then that split itself into this new reality that it created and had a bunch of different consciousnesses within that. But then when each of those consciousnesses pass away or their physical form passes away within that reality, that consciousness now gets put into another void reality where in turn there they can infinitely create whatever they want to like in like their own personal heaven. And maybe the whole multi-dimension idea comes from this idea that consciousness just keeps splitting off into more and more consciousness because it keeps just splitting itself off even more. And each time somebody passes away within that, then that consciousness splits again and it creates another reality within that. And you have these infinite dimensions being created through these void areas and that's where this whole personal heaven idea comes from is that when you pass, you get this void dimension that you can create and do whatever you want with. And maybe theoretically right now we are in some other consciousness's reality that it created. And then when we pass away, we either one, maybe get a choice to reconnect with that consciousness again and maybe get thrown around back into a different aspect of life within that consciousness. Or you get the option where you become one with a void dimension and in turn there, you can become, so to speak, like the God of that dimension and you can create everything. And then you split your consciousness off again to experience everything within your reality. Uh, once you've created your reality. 
mm-hmm. kind of a weird concept that I've been tossing around in my head and trying to find a perfect time and place to describe it. And I feel like you're, you're the guy to describe it to, then you might actually pick up on it. <laughs> no, no, you know, I mean, um, if you look at, say, like um, the Mormon religion, that is to a certain extent what they believe, except they, they keep it more um, localized as to when, you know, when, when you pass on, you become the god of uh, a planet, not, not an entire reality, just a planet. And that, uh, see, planet Earth is controlled by, you know, the, the, you know, the Yahweh or Jehovah, who are describe it, was somebody who um, was a living being on another world, you know, who knows how long ago. And after they passed on, they became the god of, of this planet. And they haven't done a very good job of it. They've mucked it up entirely. So. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, you know, you, 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 you take that and expand upon it based on our current understandings of of the universe and the possibilities of of multi universes as well as how probably uh, consciousness is um, the main driving universal aspect of everything then yeah that makes a lot of sense uh, uh, you know, uh, to me that uh, uh, you know you you reach a certain you know you reach a certain point. Where you are, you know, you you do basically, you know. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Are the the creator of... um of your own reality and then uh, uh, do the same thing as with this one. You, um, you branch out and create um, sparks, sparks of consciousness that then go off to, to live their lives and then afterwards report back so that, uh, 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 you know, all of all sensations all knowledge is then uh, uh, brought in. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, you're good. <laughs> but 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 yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I I think that I think that you are definitely hitting on a very real possibility there. 
uh, uh, with 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 how things could actually uh, work, which you know you and I'm not going to profess to under, you know have have you know an understanding of of quantum physics, but you start looking at some of the what the physicists call the underlying weirdness of quantum physics, and especially the the aspects of um, uh, of, of, of how information can travel instantaneously when you have, say, like uh, uh, um, uh, uh, two atoms that are joined together and then split apart and one can uh, be here and the other one on the other side of the universe, then any changes made to one is instantly affected uh, uh, by the other at, uh, you know, at, uh, at an almost infinite distance away. So to be able to do that probably means that um, the basis of our reality has an underlying uh, a reality that is outside of space-time. So if that's the case, then our consciousness is originating outside of space-time and uh, uh, probably uh, uh, is that controlling factor uh, of, of this reality and probably all of the other uh, uh, possible realities that are there now and uh, uh, will be in the future, or, you know, of course, when I say future, <laughs> you know, uh, the past, present, future uh, doesn't exist. Uh, that's that's only a material construct. Uh, so, you know, all of these possibilities, I think, have a, uh, a a basis of reality to them. Kind of a weird thing to think about, too. I kind of explained it with this whole idea about everything kind of expanding, but this is kind of a hard concept to describe. But what if it's exp- it, there's a base reality, but it's expanding into the micro. So, you know, those pictures you see where you have like the base picture and it's all the way back and then you zoom in and you keep going farther in and it's creating another reality within that, but it's actually in the micro rather than it expanding into the macro. What if it's more of a concept like that, that there is like a base reality and this whole idea with uh, all the different dimensions aren't necessarily like side by side with each other, but rather you're just continuously getting smaller going into the micro and creating smaller micro realities within that. And then again, maybe there's a point where everything kind of reaches a singularity and then it all kind of bounces back and recorrects itself back to the beginning of it once it expands so small into the macro because... I mean, maybe there's an endpoint. Maybe there's never an endpoint. Maybe it's just a continuous flow where it just keeps going continuously down. But then, it's kind of a weird thing to think about. If something, if it, that is the case, if something ever happened to the base reality, would that mean that all of the micro realities would instantaneously be destroyed within it if they aren't expanding next to each other, rather than they're just expanding farther into one specific reality? Hmm. Well, that's 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 like the old concept of um, that we're 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 God's dream, and that if God were to ever wake up, that's it, we're gone. <laughs> but hey, so, going back so, yeah. into that too, maybe God is just a person that passed away in an older reality who had a void reality and he created within the void. Because I mean, even if you look at the Bible, it says that, you know, there was nothing but darkness and then he created light 
I mean, maybe that was just some guy waking up in a void reality and creating a reality within that. Maybe the story is literally right in front of us and we're looking right past it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's and that's just it. Uh, uh, yeah. As has been said, you know, the, uh, most of the time, the, uh, the, the, the simplest answer is probably the correct one. You know, so, so yeah. Uh, you know, you, you made an interesting point, though, about um, – the, the micro versus the uh, a macro reality, uh, you know, I, I often, you know, wonder, is there really any difference? Um, you know, is, is the universe set up in such a way that it's just a matter of perception? That um, uh, the, 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 the micro reality is the same as the, as the macro. You know that if if you were if you had the ability uh, to 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 shrink yourself down into uh, uh, even past the size of say like you know atoms and molecules and things like that, uh, would you do, would you simply just run across the universe looking basically as it looks to us now? That you know there would still be. Uh, uh, you know, planets and galaxies and solar systems and, and, and all the other things. And that size is just, it's an illusion, you know, it, uh, that, that it's just a matter of, of perception, you know, that uh, the universe is going to look the same no matter what size you are. I mean, hopefully this concept makes sense, but it's almost like maybe realities are touching within this idea that it goes like, you know, let's say one, two, three, four, five, or no, let's do the opposite way. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, negative one, negative two, negative three, negative four, negative five, five, negative four, negative one. Like it just, it has this expanding, like accordion kind of effect back and forth to it, where it's like, as you're zooming in, it looks like the micro, but as soon as you hit a certain point, then it goes back to those positive numbers, but on a smaller scale where it restarts the whole construct of reality going back and forth into this like plus and negative concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like mirroring uh, back and forth, you know? Right. Right. And, and, and again, I mean, is there any difference though? I mean, you know, we're putting, you know, um, mathematical constructs to these, like you said, you know, one, two, three, four, five, negative five, four, three, two, one is there a difference? Just a matter uh, of perspective of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, if, uh, uh, if, if you were, uh, uh, a micros, I mean, even beyond microscopically small being, you know, uh, I just, I just wonder if the universe would, would still appear pretty much as, um, it appears, uh, uh to us. And, and, you know, you take that a step further, <laughs> If we were to enlarge ourselves to a larger, you know, to, you know, like an infinitely larger, you know, scale and, you know, I mean, and you've seen this concept before. I mean, you know, it's, it's been used a lot of times, you know, where, uh, uh, you know, somebody will expand, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and the universe is, is nothing more than say like a grain of sand on a beach, on a planet. And then outward again, you know. So uh, you know, I've I've often wondered if uh, uh, that that might not have 
if that might not be possible. You know, that, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, you know, it's, it's beyond our current understanding of how, how reality works, but, you know, the more and more as, as we're investigating these things, you know, it, it just seems like that, you know, the farther, the farther out we look and the farther down we look that we're not seeing a lot of difference, <laughs> kind of a weird thing to think about too. What if realities are compressed into particle sized things where, for example, CERN that's trying to look for like the God particle and they're trying to split particles. And in turn, everybody knows there's some type of weirdness going on with that. A lot of people like to blame the Mandela effect on that. What if the whole idea is that as you say, split an atom that reality expands to the size of the reality that you split that atom in. And then you have this overlapping and that's where you have things such as like the Mandela effect, for example, is that every reality is compressed into this microscopic particle. But as soon as you split that, then it becomes the size of the reality that it's already in. It it fits the container that it's already being held in. And once you continuously do that so many times, then you have so many weird overlapping realities that you end up with things like the Mandela effect. And then you start getting into our, you know, a lot of the understanding of what like uh, different dimensions are because they they look at them more as like left and right dimensions. Maybe the reason for that is because those were compressed realities. And then once they were expanded there, now we're just having this continuous overlap every single time like a particle gets split, for example. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, you you talk about say like you know CERN uh, uh, doing this. Well, if something like CERN can do this, then it's probably something that's happening all the time, all across the universe, because there are energies out there that are taking place that you know far far outrival you know anything that we could do on uh, uh, the scale with, uh, uh, you know, smashing atoms and and things like that. You know, uh, 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 a small black hole uh, would have enough energy to expand that that reality that you were talking about. So this is probably, you you know, you take that a step further, this is probably something that is happening all the time throughout the universe and that's that's why there is i mean you know the the mandela effect is not new you know i mean they, you know this was hap- stuff like this was happening long before uh, uh cern was taking place and you know possibly because just like you said you know there are energies out there that are constantly screwing around with the fabric of reality causing new ones to expand outward you know overtaking the the, the you know, the current ones and then that one's overtaking and that one's overtaking, you know, so, uh, and, and, you know, as conscious beings in a material realm, we're just kind of like riding the waves, you know, <laughs> so to speak. And that, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, so what, uh, uh, for the most part, what our, our memories of the past are constantly changing. All right, uh, uh, because the past is is constantly being altered. You know, past, present, future, no difference. You know, so uh, 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 and there are a few of us that, uh, for you know, for some reason, for whatever, are able to re- re- retain at least brief glimpses of these past truths, whatever. You know, the the Mandela effect, 
which is why which is why it occurs. You know, uh, I mean, I've I've had mostly it's uh, uh, situations where I was almost certain that say like a certain celebrity had passed away. You know, read about it, heard about it on television. You know, then several years later, nope, they're still alive. How that happened? I could have sworn that they were dead. Uh, uh, but no, they're alive. And, uh, you know, there's been cases of people who have reported, I mean, really extreme events. There, uh, 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 one person uh, uh, reported that uh, they were in a gas station and uh, the televisions above the uh, uh, checkout counter were showing like an alien invasion that was taking place in Australia. Uh, it was like a like a live broadcast, and you know people were all upset, and you know the people in the station were all upset, and you know they were showing like these uh, uh, crafts, you know, like a blowing Sydney out of the uh, uh, out out of the water and stuff. Uh, but then once they got back in their car and turned it on the road, nothing, you know, no news reports, anything like that. And, and when they stopped at the next place, you know, everyone was like, "We haven't heard about anything like that." You know, uh, uh, so, um, I mean, on the opposite so, side of the spectrum, yeah. something to think about too, if you're clashing particles together and it might be theoretically like expanding a reality to be within that same container as your reality and overlapping, maybe the opposite is said of black holes where that's actually compressing a reality. So when a black hole opens, maybe there's memories of like you were just saying, like a traumatic event that happened. But if you compress that reality, now it no longer exists within this reality that you're existing in. And it's a it's a positive and a negative effect where you clash two particles together and destroy it. And then that reality expands. But if you open a black hole, then it sucks one of those realities back up and it recompresses it. Well, and, and uh, you know, there are the theories that... Um, that there are white holes, as they're called, uh, uh, throughout the universe that you know have the opposite effect of a black hole. That uh, uh, you know things that were sucked into a black hole reemerge uh, someplace else. So you know, is 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 that the case? You know, is uh, you know are these other realities then uh, 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 blowing out like a geyser someplace else? Uh, and, uh, uh, and of course would have to conform to the laws of the universe. So, and the laws of the universe say that you, you know, that, that information, light and information, uh, that, you know, uh, can't travel any faster than the speed of light unless you're operating on a quantum level. So, you know, it takes a while then for these other realities than to overtake, you know, everything else. So it's just like a, like almost like a, like a gravitational wave. And then at that point, maybe singularity is when all these realities become the same size together and they're all existing and overlapping over each other all at the same exact time. And then that creates the singularity point where every reality at that point is now existing at the same size in the macro and micro. And it becomes one solid fixed point at that point. Well, at that point, then, would that create another universe? Yeah, I mean, because yeah, then, then it would re- like, recontinue the you? bubble on, right? Yeah. Right, right. You know, is that where our universe came from? <laughs> you know, that that 
you know, that that collision of all these uh, 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 possible realities then, you know, expanding outward from a mother universe. Then that starts getting into like the Big Bang Theory and how that could possibly tie in with all of that, too. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, physicists have speculated that the actual OK, that that our universe is really nothing more than a bubble in a foam of um, you know, an almost infinite number of other universes that are constantly bubbling up from some other source and, and, and being created. So, you know, like what we've just been talking about, you know, that could be that, that source is almost like they, you know, uh, almost feeding upon themselves but then enriching themselves upon each other as well. <laughs> this one uh, got really, really deep for a while there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right now your audience is like, okay, where's my bong? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess for that sake, we'll lighten it up for a little bit for them. I know that last time you were on, we only got like a short little window towards the end of the episode, maybe like the last 15 minutes to talk about your most recent book. Um, we got roughly about another 40 minutes or so. So maybe it's a perfect opportunity to be able to really get into your new book. Cause I know again, that there's a lot of listeners that we just kind of touched the base, but we didn't really get too in depth with it. So for anybody that might not be familiar with your book that your, your most recent book that you were working on, uh, why don't you kind of give them the, uh, the, uh, one-on-one on it. Sure. Well, our most recent book, and uh, uh, we it, it was released in the late spring of this year. It's called "Mimics: The Others Among Us," and um, it's boy, you know. And, and as I've done other shows, I've realized that it's kind of a difficult concept to explain because it's 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 complex. And there are a lot of different aspects to it. But the main point is that um, my own and other examinations of unusual phenomena, whether it be ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, one of the main aspects seems to be that... With us on this planet are, are other intelligent beings that either look like us or can look like us. And they've been with us probably from the very beginning. Because if you go and look throughout history, there are all kinds of interesting stories of interactions uh, 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 with people and these beings. And we've given them all kinds of different names uh, over the millennia. Uh, you know, we've called them gods, angels, demons, teachers, fairies, uh, Venusians, you know, uh, what have you. Um, but the, the main point is that these things can look like us or do look like us. That's, that's one of the things that, you know, we, 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 we Betty about in the book is, you know, whether or not 
these things actual ha- actually have a physical appearance that is similar to us or whether or not um, they can take on uh, uh, the form uh, to look at us, look like us, you know, maybe, maybe a little, you know, all of the above. And, and uh, we, we certainly don't rule out the, uh, the possibility that we could be dealing with um, a number of different things that, uh, 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 that can do uh, uh, uh can do similar things, similar interactions. Uh, you go back in, say, like ancient history, uh, these things oftentimes would appear and act like teachers uh, to uh, uh, newly formed societies, would, would show up to uh, teach people agriculture, mathematics, things like that, uh, 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 religion even, um, up into more modern times, um, you have people who have had visits, uh, say like especially some of the cases that I present in the book, um, the uh, uh, the old alchemists who were studying, trying to uh, come up with the philosopher's stone, which was the ability to turn, um, say, like lead into gold, or basically one element into another element, and uh, they would be visited by, say, like a uh, a mysterious stranger, oftentimes dressed in black. Uh, uh, who would uh, teach them uh, 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 new things of, of science and chemistry. Uh, uh, some of these stories had them actually uh, showing them how you could uh, 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 turn lead into gold. Uh, those are a little bit more uh, more rare. Uh, but oftentimes they would pass on uh, uh, scientific knowledge uh, that... Uh, could be teachable then to uh, subsequent generations, you know, right up into uh, more recent times with the stories of, of the, um, you know, fairies and brownies and leprechauns, uh, uh, you know, stories of the, uh, the, the, the good people. And of course, you know, you, you realize that these stories when you look at the actual ones and remove the uh, modern day Disneyfication of of you know say like the uh, the fairies, you know most of these cases these beings were never seen as you know like uh, 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 you know, little uh, female figures with uh, with butterfly wings flitting around the flowers and wearing short skirts. No, you know instead they looked uh, you know practically human. Uh, uh, but with uh, magical abilities, and uh, and and very much uh, uh, tricksters, you know, they would uh, try to lure people away uh, uh, from their homes and from their villages out into the the, the deep dark woods for you know whatever reasons. And, uh, um, you know, these these types of stories also had a very heavy sexual element uh, uh, to them as as well. Uh, 
which you know naturally enough we <laughs> we cover quite a bit you know in the book uh, uh, because that's a reoccurring theme uh, uh, with uh, human interactions uh, uh, with these uh, uh, with these things uh, and we were we refer to them as the others um, which leads to um, speculations on on my parts that if there is a sexual component, a romantic component in a lot of cases, uh, with these interactions, then there must be a similarity in species with these things. Just to throw in another idea, too, it might be that these things uh, don't have a physical form, so when they are in a physical form, they take advantage of all of the perks of having a physical form. Because it kind of goes into this idea that I've been talking about for a while with all the different orbs that everybody sees around Sasquatch experiences, around UFO experiences, around paranormal experiences. What if those orbs are the consciousness and it picks its form depending on what it wants to be? Almost imagine it like a, like a spectator mode. And then once it decides what character it wants to play as, it plays as that character. But in turn, for that time, it gets to be physical. So maybe that's why the sexual factor comes in with a lot of the fairy stories and a lot of these different things is because they're, again, trying to take advantage of having a physical form and enjoy it in the process. And you hear about a lot of that when it comes to like biblical ideas, too, about how these things that are non-physical try to enjoy their time that they have in the physical because they don't have the same sensations in their non-physical form. Right. Well, exactly. And in, um, in Genesis... <clears throat> we have the story of the Watchers. The Watchers were angelic beings that were um, sent to Earth by God to uh, watch over mankind, to uh, 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 make sure that uh, uh, we were safe and that uh, 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 they, and they would take they would take care of us. Well, the the Watchers decided that um, human women, you know, I mean. Yeah, you know, they, uh, they're looking pretty good. Uh, so they actually uh, 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 came down to earth and uh, stopped being watchers and uh, became participators and uh, uh, started uh, 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 having sexual relations uh, uh, with human women. And they, uh, uh, doing that, they produced the, um, uh, the Nephilim, the giants uh, that uh, later um, uh, were supposedly one of the reasons that uh, that God sent the biblical flood because the uh, uh, Nephilim were, you know, they were evil giants and were running amok. Uh, uh, but that, yeah, that's yeah, that's just one story. So I mean, you, you have and supposedly angelic beings who were able to take a physical form and then reproduce. Uh, uh, there was. There was a story by a um, a ghost investigator. I think his name was Lloyd Auerbach, and he was investigating a uh, a haunted house where the living occupants of the house kept seeing this uh, this old lady. Uh, uh, she wasn't really doing anything. She would just make appearances. And um, uh, and he brought it. He brought a psychic in with her. The psychic was able to communicate with this ghost, and this ghost told him that 
when she was alive, that's the way that she looked. She looked like a little old lady. But now that she had passed on, her true form, as she described it, was a ball of light, a ball of energy. That's exactly the way she put it, too. So, I mean, that goes right into what you were, you know, what you were saying. So, you know, what if there are um, life forms that that is their natural state of being? They are balls of energy that are able at times to um, gain a physical reality. Uh, and this is something that John Keel, you know, talks about, uh, uh, you know, as, 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 as his investigations progressed over the years, you know, he went from wondering whether or not UFOs are visitors from other planets to wondering if, UFOs and then the associated beings were actually just masses of energy uh, uh, from a different reality that at times are able to coalesce themselves into a physical form, albeit briefly, do whatever it is that they want to do. After a while, they'll lose that energy and then they go back, you know, to their original state. So that's you know that's one of the aspects that that, that we examine you know in mimics uh, uh, the others among us is that uh, you know we could be dealing with uh, uh, you know like a almost like another type of species on this planet, but rather than a physical species, it 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 occupies it, it occupies um, the energy world. Um, uh, one of our writers, uh, uh, Paul Eno. Uh, he's he has a whole chapter on um, where he has attempted uh, from his own experiences and research to uh, actually kind of uh, put a what's the term I'm thinking of um, uh, you know almost like a uh, um, um, uh, a I can't, I can't, I can't think of the word now. But you know, he 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 basically has you know identified a lot of these different types of what he calls parasites, and 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 he says that a lot of hauntings and poltergeist cases are actually because of these parasites that reside in a adjacent reality to our own, but are able to uh, uh, come come to our reality. And feed off of us, feed off of our emotions, especially negative emotions. And, and, and he says that these parasites at times uh, will uh, um, will haunt a house and create poltergeist type of activity in order to elicit fear, which is you know which is like candy to them. You know they're able just to suck that all in. The, you know the the more fear that they can elicit, then, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, oh, they, 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 they love that. And, and he says that, uh, you know, one of the best ways to um, combat, say, a poltergeist infestation, you know, don't get out the crosses and the sage and stuff like that. That just pisses them off. Instead, everyone sits around and uh, tells jokes, laughs, has a good time. And that will usually burn out a poltergeist activity in a matter of a week. 
<laughs> I never thought about it that way. It's a totally different perspective on it. Yep. Yep. But, but, you know, he has like a whole list of, of these different kinds of, of, of parasites that, you know, he thinks, you know, you know, some of them, you know, he calls like, you know, uh, leaders that uh, uh, actually are able to come in with maybe a, a small group of others like underlings, you know, who will uh, uh, spread out over a location to do the dirt, you know, do the dirty work and stuff. Uh, uh, but, um, so, so these would be, you know, mimics not as much as a physical form, which a lot of the cases that we examine in this book are actually, you know, uh, 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 physical beings that, uh, you know, if you were to run into one on the street, a lot of times with the exception of maybe um, some unusual physical characteristics or maybe uh, um, 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 an underlying uh, a fear or, or you know some kind of feeling that you have that you're not dealing with a human being, uh, 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 the the parasites mimic people in the aspect that they're pretending to be ghosts, you know, uh, spirits of uh, loved ones who have passed on, stuff like that. Kind of a different weird thing to think about tying into all this too. What if the um. So these mimics among us, these these light balls, these beings are actually us. And maybe the special thing that humans possess that everything seems to be after is that we create consciousness or rather split consciousness. And in turn, you have to live a physical life. And that's like the cocoon uh, aspect of phase of life, kind of like what you were describing earlier. And then once your physical body dies, then you're able to become these orbs. And then once you become that orb, then essentially you can become any part of reality that you want to be, or, you know, be whoever, whatever you want to be. But when you have people that are still tied to their physical body and they don't want to ever leave their physical body, they like that form. That's where you end up with like paranormal, like ghosts, different things like that is because it's they're taking that energy that they possess and they're trying to still hold on to their life physical form. And that's where they get these ghostly apparitions from is because they're not letting the energy become the thing that it needs to be and transcend. Instead, they're still tied to this physical reality and they're using that energy to just form their old physical shape that they possessed within this reality. But actually the whole time, it's just another form of us or the next progression of life past us is to become something that transcends a physical reality to the point where you can become anything physical. But again, if you're too, still too tied to your old physical reality, then you end up becoming a ghost because you're just trying to hold on to your shape still that you possessed when you were physical. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Whitley Strieber in his more, um, recent books, you know, I mean, you know, he started out writing about, uh, you know, his abductions and his belief that, uh, uh, these are possibly, you know, extraterrestrial beings like anybody, you know, anybody else who, you know, who have undergone these experiences. And um, as time has gone by, he has, uh, uh, you know, he feels that he has a better understanding of the phenomena, which is somewhat along the lines of, of, of what you were, what you were talking about, uh, except that there is also this, this, this other separate group of, of, of beings that are, um, that exist, um, um, in that, that spiritual realm, so to speak. And that, um, 
their interactions with us are because they want to experience reality as we experience it, all right? He ex- uh, Whitley describes it as these beings are outside of space-time so that there are no surprises to them, as he puts it. You know, the past, the present, the future is all open to them. And that's boring. All right? In the physical world, we still, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow, next week, or what's going on down the road, that sort of thing. And that they are wanting to actually join with us, which is, this is one of the things that Paulino was talking about as well, that, you know, these things are wanting to join with us, feed off of our energy. Whitley sees it more as a um, symbiosis type of an effect where they would join with us, they get to experience the mysteries of reality, and we would get a better understanding of how things work in the overall universe, you know, outside of outside of space time. Um, but uh, uh, you know, his his wife, before she passed on herself, when they were getting letters from people after his first couple of books came out. And she was reading them, and and she said to them, she said to him, she goes, you know, I'm beginning to think that this whole abduction UFO thing has more to do with life after death. And And I think that that is an interesting, very interesting viewpoint. And is is just you know another part of this whole uh, 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 aspect of uh, the others, the you know uh, the mimics, because there are you know, the, we have plenty of examples of of these beings that seem to exhibit these kinds of, and I hate to use the word supernatural, but you know we really don't have any better words. You know, kind of like supernatural. Uh, uh, Abilities, but then there are some that appear to be um, physical, all too physical. Uh, And and it's like I said before, uh, uh, there may be some physical differences, but for the most part, if you were to pass one on the street, you probably wouldn't even give them a second glance. Um, However, if they were to stop and to talk to you, a lot of people report getting this this feeling of dread. The hairs on the back of their neck will go up. Uh, And, and, you know, a lot of people report that they feel like that they are talking to something that isn't human. Um, uh, uh, one person even went as far as to say that they felt like that they were talking to something that was dead. <laughs> That's something weird to think about. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah, well, and there, and you know, there are some cases where you know these things also have a smell to them that some people reported, you know, smelling like chemicals, formaldehyde, or uh, freshly dug dirt. 
<laughs> just kind of a weird thing to think about too. I've been into this whole idea about biological drones. I mean, that could theoretically be fitting that concept that the reason why these things seem like they're so awkward the way they walk or because they, they smell like dirt or like rotting flesh, maybe it's because these things are finding a way to basically take their consciousness and put it into a vessel that doesn't have any consciousness in it. And in turn, they have this like clunky biological drone that they're trying to operate. And of course it comes off as weird and awkward. Like it almost is like, you know, imagine uh, you trying to wear like a bodysuit and how hard it would be to walk around in a bodysuit when you're have like a totally different form than that bodysuit to begin with. Like imagine putting on a bodysuit that has like four arms, for example, and then trying to operate the other two arms when you're only, only used to operating these two. You know, if you are some type of like a uh, thing that's a non-physical being, you can do everything without actual like physical touch. So when it comes to a reality where you have to use physical touch in order to operate in it, then of course you have this clunky, awkward operation because you're not used to interacting with your environment in that way, shape, or form. Yep, absolutely. You know, uh, 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 you know, to put it in, <laughs> to put it in other words, zombies. <laughs> yep, but but. Yeah, but but rather than you know like uh, uh, the uh, the body being you know just uh, reanimated by say like a virus or something like that, you have another consciousness that somehow is able to get in and then you know operate it, you know uh, uh, briefly. Um, you know Tim Beckley felt that maybe some of the Men in Black stories that this was the case that a either whatever you know this intelligence is was able to enter say like a freshly dead person and animate it for a while to do its purpose and then you know and then you know after a while leave it leave the body where it was or if this consciousness was able to occupy like possession like possess um, a person who maybe was already, say, like mentally unstable and, uh, uh, you know, like with a weak uh, aura, so to speak, uh, that would allow a stronger personality to overtake them and then control them uh, uh, for a while. And, and he based that part on um, he for quite a while was being harassed by somebody who had all the earmarks really kind of, of a man in black, except that, you know, they weren't dressed in black. Uh, uh, they, uh, they seem to have very unusual, uh, perceptive abilities. They were able to get his, uh, uh, like private phone number, able to track down like, uh, uh, where his parents lived, you know, an address that he had never published you know, looking for him would, uh, uh, you know, call him on the phone, write him letters. And, and, and he actually was able to uh, find out the name of this person and uh, uh, talk to this person's parents. And his and this, this person's mom told him that most of the time he was fine. But then it, she, as she put it, it was like another personality took him over and he would start on this harassment especially with tim beckley for some reason and it was always harassment about you know like ufos stop 
writing about UFOs, you know, uh, 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 don't do it, you're going to die, that sort of thing. So, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, uh, Tim Beckley really did feel that, you know, a lot of these cases that this was an intruding personality that was taking over these these people and uh, uh, doing you know, almost in like a robotic type of, of, of state until the usefulness was done. I mean, that could even theoretically be where like schizophrenia comes from. Cause I mean, it's still a very misunderstood diagnosis. You know, maybe the whole concept of that is that, you know, it's beyond the views of like what normal science perceives as reality, but maybe it is basically multiple consciousnesses fighting over one physical vessel and that's where you have all these split personalities and schizophrenia and everything come from is that the split personalities are when there's multiple consciousnesses occupying one specific body to the point where it gets super weird where they'll have like different handwriting depending on who they are. They'll write left-handed. They'll have this knowledge that this other person doesn't have. And then when you have schizophrenia, maybe it's, uh, you know, they know that that vessel that that consciousness that's in that vessel maybe isn't completely tied to it or isn't tied to it in the way that it should be. So they kind of just sit at bay and wait for the opportunity to be able to hop into that physical vessel when there is an opportunity. I can't, I can't remember what the, what the term is now, but, uh, um, you know, um, multiple personalities, uh, it, it's, it, there's another, term multiple personalities is, is kind of an archaic uh, split personality term. maybe split per, yes well split personality is the archaic term uh you know it's a like you know dissociative consciousness or you know something something like that is is i guess the more uh a modern uh, uh accepted term for it but um Their research that's been done with people who exhibit these traits show that when one personality becomes dominant over the other, the brainwave patterns even change, which is supposed to be physically impossible. You know, you have a brainwave pattern that is supposed to be exclusive to your brain. It never changes. But when um, uh, one personality takes over, that Brain with that EKG changes or EEG, I think is what it is. Uh, it 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 changes, uh, and, and like you said, um, there are other physical traits that become apparent. You know when these uh, other personalities take over. Uh, uh, one personality may be allergic to peanuts, while the other one isn't. So you know one one personality can eat peanuts no problems at all. The other personality eats peanuts. You know, they go into anaphylactic shock. Um, so, the in especially in the 19th century, when you know psychology was a you know newly emerging science, and uh, they were actually you know doing some really you know interesting research on people who had split personalities, um, they they tended to discover that. Um, usually amongst these, all these other personalities, there would be a core personality that seemed to be above it all. You know, it wasn't the original personality. 
it wasn't the uh, uh, the split personalities, but it was one that seemed to be there who was like the controller, so to speak, who was above it all and would actually, um, uh, when when the psychologist uh, psychiatrist would use say like hypnosis to try to uh, uh, bring these personalities out and attempt to merge them, this core personality. Uh, almost like a guardian angel type of personality would come out and actually help them and instruct them on, on what they needed to do to help meld these personalities together. Um, which has led, uh, you know, there's a more, there's a modern belief now that all of us actually are split personalities that, that, uh, 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 we really don't, I mean, you know, we may have a dominant personality, but within all of us are a multitude of different personalities. I mean, you know, and you know, I mean, there, there are times when, I mean, you know, you may be a perfectly nice guy and, you know, somebody cuts you off on the road and you know, that, that anger comes out and you exhibit a completely different type of personality. Well, that may not be. Uh, uh, too far outside the realm because that isn't you know a, a, a different personality. Um, the uh, uh, Polynesians believe that we don't have just one soul; that we have like seven, seven different souls in our body, and that when we pass on, uh, those seven you know souls go off to their own different uh, uh, places. You know, there's one that's uh, like our our most base type of emotions, you know, the anger and lust and, and all that. That's the one that usually stays earthbound and, you know, becomes like a poltergeist or a haunting and things like that. You know, others are more, you know, spiritually inclined and things like that. So, you know, it, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting, you know, when you think about that, and what you were saying about, you know, whether or not, you know, some of these types of, of others, you know, may actually be a, uh, uh, you know, like a, like a possessing spirit, uh, you know, at times for, for people who are, have weak personalities themselves, drug addicted, uh, uh, alcoholics, things like that. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, and that's, that, that is an aspect that we do, you know, examine, you know, in the book. I mean, just an idea to throw too. I mean, if you start looking at the brain as more of an antenna than anything, maybe there's a direct, uh, frequency that it's tuned on, but that doesn't mean that in the process, it might not pick up on other frequencies. I mean, imagine almost like a radio, you know, you listen to one radio station, but you pass into a certain area and you'll get a snippet of another radio station that'll cross paths with it, but you still have that dominant radio station that you're tuned to. I mean, if you start looking at the human body and the human vessel like that, I mean, it's definitely seems like more of a possibility that, you know, maybe our consciousness isn't necessarily here, but rather it's just tuned into the same frequency as your, as your body, almost like, like a blue, like Bluetooth to your phone and your headphones, you know, like you imagine that your consciousness is attached to the, is the phone, but your physical vessel, your, your your human self is the headphones. Like it has to be powered from somewhere else. But, you know, as soon as you don't have that connection, then I mean, somebody else can hook up to it. 
Oh right, yeah, definitely. And you know, I mean, there, you know, there are people who who claim to be walk-ins, as they call them. You know that uh, uh, that they are that they were a separate spirit or entity, but were given the opportunity to enter a body that say, you know, committed suicide or, or died by accident, or if, you know, if they were a a baby, you know, were born, uh, uh, dead. Uh, and then they, you know, this, this other spirit was able to come in and, and take their place. Uh, uh, we've seen a lot of, of, of people who, who have had UFO experiences, who then, you know, after a while, will will say that they have come to the realization that one of the reasons that they were contacted was because that they themselves were extraterrestrials that had entered that physical body at some earlier aspect, you know, in their life, and then their UFO encounter was um, um, like a, a an awakening to whatever purpose that they had for uh, being on the planet in the first place. I mean, uh, something kind of weird to think about, too. I mean, that could be the same for, like, near-death experiences. Maybe there is physical memory that is within a physical vessel, and, say, when people have a near-death experience, maybe that consciousness dies, and or not dies, but goes somewhere else, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then a different consciousness comes into that body, but there's still the physical memory that's within that body. There's still, you know, the the ex, not external, but the, the hard drive for that body. So something new comes into it, but it still has all the same memories as that person, but it isn't that same consciousness anymore. It's rather been hijacked. That physical vessel has been hijacked by another consciousness that retains all of the memories that were still left within that physical vessel. Well, again, that goes, you know, that goes back to what we were talking about before with the, uh, 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 some of these men in black. And of course, you know, when we use the word men in black, you know, not all of these instances involve beings that, you know, are dressed all in black with the hats and the briefcases. It, you know, it's, it's just kind of a general overall term where uh, there's the possibility that some other consciousness has, uh, has invaded uh, 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 this uh, uh, this physical body, and you know, is it because the physical body is somebody you know, who had an accident, died in the woods someplace where they weren't found, and then this con- this, this this alien consciousness took the opportunity to reanimate it, uh, um, and you know there there are people who who do report. That uh, um, after a near-death experience, just like you said, that they came out of it changed, completely changed, um, to the point where their family members really don't recognize them anymore. That and 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 a lot of times that leads to divorce and and complete estrangement from their old family. Because they've developed new interest, um, and, uh, and and you know, like the like old wives or husbands will say, they're not the same person as when you know as the person that I married. After they had their near death experience, they came out and they were a completely different person. Like you said, you know, uh, 
because it's Eastern religions and philosophy say that, you know, when you pass on, um, you leave your ego behind and it's just, it's just your pure consciousness that goes on the, the, the parts of your body that are materially driven remain behind. And that includes a lot of the memories, your, your lust, your desires, uh, things like that. And so those will remain if you have another consciousness, like you said, coming in and taking control. So, you know, that person may be, that, that, that new consciousness may be able to remember all of the uh, uh, secrets and uh, uh, traits of the previous person, but they're not the same person. Because, I mean, that consciousness could almost have like a mind wipe when it comes into a physical vessel because maybe it's one of those things that just imagine it like uh, this is probably the best example I can think of, you know, like a like a you're running on like a like a newer operating system and then you go into an older operating system where, you know, the basic mechanical functions still work, but it's not as advanced as where you just came from. So a lot of stuff is digressed. So it's like you lose a lot of memory in the process because it's almost like you're downgrading your system after being a spiritual vessel into a physical vessel again. And in turn, your mind is pretty much wiped of everything that's inconceivable in that reality because you're that, that human physical vessel brain that you're using isn't able to comprehend the reality that you came from. So it basically just blanks it out until you do like past life regressions, things like that, for example. And that's why you have some of these people that claim to be extraterrestrials and they start having flashbacks of memories is because when they first come into that physical vessel, it's just, it's too much for that physical vessel's brain to comprehend. So it just blocks it out until you have little snippets and pieces that start popping back in. And I mean, that could even be the same with these people that, you know, claim to be from, oh, I died in a past life. This is where my body was. This is where this was. And it's like a young kid. And then they go and they look and they end up finding the body. All of that is because it all gets wiped, but it's still somehow sitting there within the subconscious to when you finally get to a point where maybe that physical vessel is able to start comprehending at least just the basic surface scratch, scratching surface of the spiritual reality that you came from. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's... There was one interesting case where this this woman had had a uh, a UFO sighting, and it wasn't it wasn't even a spectacular UFO sighting. But um, not too long afterwards, she was visited by a uh, a person who was uh, um, dressed in an Air Force uniform. uniform identified himself as a colonel with the Air Force and that he was there to talk to her um, about her UFO sighting. And she thought it was odd, first of all, because she hadn't reported it. She had no idea how this guy had found out that she had this UFO sighting and, and why he was interested in the first place. So she invited him into the house. And at one point, he complained to her that he was suffering from an upset stomach 
And she said that she had some Jello, and she, had, you know, she had heard that Jello was supposed to be good for an upset stomach, and so she brought him a bowl, and he didn't know how to eat it. He had no concept of how to eat Jello. He tried to drink it. <laughs> See, that's it the type of memories you forget because near spiritual or energy vessel or energy being, you have no reason to consume food that same way. And in turn, you forget because that's just memories that aren't important where you're currently standing. Like your brain just phew, throws it out, unimportant. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and you know, there's a uh, a lot of these cases, you know, where um, people will try, you know, say like they'll make a pact, uh, like you know, the, the the first one who passes away will try to contact the other. You know, to, to to prove that there's life after death, and you know maybe they'll they'll have a code or you know like specific memories or things like that. And uh, uh, there was one case, uh, you know this this was you know quite a ways back in the 18, 1800s, where um, supposedly then a spiritual medium got into contact with one of these people. And the person admitted, uh, the spirit admitted that um, once you pass on, a lot of these memories don't go with you. That, you know, and that's one of the reasons why um, uh, 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 when there are contacts that um, the, a lot of the information that is received is spotty. Uh, it, and it's because they don't really remember that much of their previous life. I mean, they'll remember, say, like, I suppose, the broad details, the broad strokes, but the minutia is lost. And that seems to be the case with a lot of these um, contacts with the others along these, you know, along these realms where they seem to, you know, uh, uh, where, where, where they seem to be, you know, like a possessed type of, of individual, like, you know, like you pointed out. It's kind of like when you do like past life regressions, it's like you don't remember the entire life. You only remember like the the key key points of that life because assumably that's the only important information that your brain would care to re retain anyways is like not the whole life and every single memory that you've ever had from it but just like the basic concept of like what you went through in that life yeah yeah strong the, the, the strong emotions you know uh, uh either way you know either you know fear or love or or you know when you pass on those seem to be the aspects that are that are always you know uh, retained so um not to cut everything off or anything, but just because my internet seems to be spotty for some reason right now, All and right. I keep seeing a dip up and down. Um, I guess we should start wrapping this one up for today. Um, obviously, I'm definitely going to have you back on sooner rather than later because we can continue. We I've said this every single time you've come on. It always ends up being around a two-hour show, and I could still continue on for another five hours with you because we get really, really going on these really deep concepts, and I really enjoy doing it. So, Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I guess before we start wrapping it up, though, one thing I always got to keep and do is words of wisdom. So if there was any words of wisdom that you'd like to bestow on the listeners this time, what would they be? Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose my words of wisdom would be, uh, and, it, and it's probably the same thing that I say every time that you, that you ask me this, is just, uh, you know, keep your eyes 
open to to all possibilities. I mean, don't just because something may seem to be you know too weird or, 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 or too out of the ordinary, don't dismiss it entirely. You know, we live in such a huge, wonderful, mysterious universe that uh, you know if if you just completely ground yourself in the uh, the, the the material world, then you're going to lose out on on so much. Uh, you know that's that's one of the things that's always you know disappointing to me with a lot of adults is that they lose that that sense of wonder, that sense of mystery about life, and 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 I'm all for embracing it. So I mean, you know, in, embrace it all. I mean, get out there and uh, look up in the sky at night. Look for weird things. Uh, you know, if you uh, 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 see something weird, don't just dismiss it as uh, oh well, that's just you know, uh, they, uh, there's got to be a rational explanation. Maybe there isn't. You know, <laughs> have fun with your life. You know. Because life is fun, life is mysterious, and that's uh, that's what that's what makes it great. You know, it's 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 such a a, a weird, wild universe, and uh, and we're all a part of it, and uh, uh, we're all part of that dance. So you know, as 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 they say, get out there and and dance like nobody's watching (laughs) (laughs) well perfect example for this one is that our concept of what we believe reality how we think reality functions is completely based off of human perspective and something that we've created for ourselves to begin with and through time that perspective has changed so many times drastically that you know, back in the day, they wanted to believe that the uh, the Earth was the center of the solar system, and that was universally believed by everybody. That was fact. That's how everything was. And look at where we are now versus then. And then keep in mind, again, transition that into the future. We have an understanding of how the world works and functions now from our perspective, but imagine how primitive our perspective is going to look now another 100 years in the future. So entertain those possibilities because you never know where we might end up eventually. Because again, we're, our reality is only based on our concepts of what we understand at this current time. It doesn't mean that that is de- indefinitely how reality functions overall. <laughs> Absolutely. I could, I couldn't have, uh, I couldn't have said that any better. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for anybody that wants to come and find you, they want to come and find any of your books. Uh, they want to come and find uh, mimics specifically. Uh, where can they find you and all of your awesome books at? Sure. Well, all of my books are on Amazon.com. Just uh, just go and type in uh, my name, Tim R. Swartz, and uh, they'll all come tumbling out for your reading enjoyment. There's uh, uh, for some reason Amazon also throws in uh, some other books by other people uh, with my books. I'm not quite sure why, but the majority of them that uh, you'll find on Amazon, I've. Uh, uh, had something to do with one way or the other. Uh, uh, my website is conspiracyjournal.com. Uh, uh, I, I haven't updated it for a while. I need to get in there and update it. But I've been I've been so busy, uh, uh, you know, putting mimics together and now stumping for it. And uh, and now we're we're looking on uh, 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 you know putting together a new book, which uh, that. Uh, is is still somewhat under wraps, but I will say that uh, um, uh, uh, 
we'll 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 know more about it in time. So that that may give you an idea of, of maybe the thesis of our of our next book. Uh, but uh, I'm also on Facebook, but you know, uh, mostly you know I don't really do a lot on, on Facebook <laughs> either. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, really, uh, you know, my my website and all my books on Amazon probably you know is is your best uh, best bet. And of course, I will include all of the links down in the show description so that everybody can find it quick and easy. And I have a couple of your books on my shelf, so I highly recommend them to anybody who found this in, this conversation fascinating because you will find some awesome information and literally any of the books that has Tim's name on it. <laughs> Had a great time tonight and I uh, hope your audience enjoyed it as well. Oh yeah, definitely. And I appreciate you making the time to come on as always. And I'm really looking forward to getting to interact next time. I'm looking forward to it as well. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a review or rating on iTunes or Spotify. And if you guys leave a five-star review on iTunes, of course, I will read on the show and give you guys a big shout out because I appreciate all you guys that do that because you guys directly are the ones that are helping the show grow, make it so that more people are able to see it, help out the algorithm so that we pop up more and new people can discover the show. And uh, if any of you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it you want to be a guest on the show, you want to contribute something to the show, um you guys want to possibly sponsor the show. If you have some type of product that's related to the show in some way, shape or form, I would definitely like to work all that kind of stuff out. So don't hesitate to shoot me a message on Instagram, which is the form of social media that I'm the most active on. You guys can also shoot me a message on Facebook. Of course, I'm still active on that. I just mainly use Instagram and uh, you guys can also email me at increase of our reality podcast.outlook.com or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form that'll go directly to my email and uh, I do respond to every single message I get from everybody. So uh, make sure you guys check your spam or junk folder. Make sure nothing gets missed because, you know, running a podcast, I do send out a lot of links. So more often than not, it seems to get pushed that way. But I want to make sure nothing gets missed because I want to be able to interact and meet every single one of you guys. So everything I've mentioned, of course, is all available off of the link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R period E slash increase of all reality podcast, or it is available down in the show description. And with that... Hope you guys enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. credit card bill.